Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Sunday night. It's January 29th. And welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Matt Norlander is here with me. And uh, it's been a busy and fun weekend at college basketball. Duke won at Wake Forest on a Luke Kennard three-pointer with uh, 6.6 seconds remaining. Villanova beat Virginia uh, on a last-second tip-in. Gonzaga moved to 22-0 with a 47-point win at Pepperdine. Florida State lost at Syracuse. Josh Pastner got another big win. Those are some of the highlights, and uh, we will talk about most of that, if not all of that, uh, in this podcast. But I wanted to start uh, with Kansas's 79-73 victory over Kentucky inside Rupp Arena. Josh Jackson got 20-10. and 10. KU outscored UK 52-41 in the second half. So now the Wildcats uh, are 3-4 and four against the top 50 Ken Palm teams and top 50 RPI teams. The only... Uh, they only have three more games scheduled against top 50 teams, at least as it sits right now. So what I wrote uh, late Saturday is that Kentucky is going to have a hard time getting a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, if only because their resume probably isn't going to look the part. Like, we might all be sitting there on Selection Sunday going, wow, Kentucky looks like the best team in the country, but that resume is, is there's just no chance of it at this point being the best resume and uh, in the country and maybe not even probably not even one of the best four resumes in the country. Some of that is rooted, of course, in uh, the lack of quality opponents they're able to get down the stretch uh, because of their league affiliation with the SEC. Norlander, do you agree with me or not? Am I uh, jumping the gun a little bit or not? Is Kentucky got uh, is Kentucky going to end up on the outside as it relates to being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament based on the resume uh, that they're assembling right now? Yes, here's here's where we stand right now. In the preseason GP, Duke was the consensus number one team, and Kentucky, by most everyone else, was pretty much considered the number two team. Some people faded the Wildcats a little bit, but uh, a surefire top five team in the preseason. And it is very, very, very hard to project. Either of those teams will be a one seed. Kentucky can now not leapfrog Kansas on the one line because... They could, if Kansas's season fell apart, which isn't going to happen, then in theory Kentucky could leap Kansas in the pecking order. But if Kansas is good enough to be a one, Kentucky will not play uh, enough good teams to have a resume that will vault above Kansas, especially because they won the head-to-head on Kentucky's home floor. I don't think a one seed is dead for Kentucky. I think Kentucky has to run the table now to get it because the fact of the matter is, even though we had really just rank team after rank team lose it was by far the most damaging week within the polls over the past seven days in college basketball of any week that we've had this season and in fact gp i'll be interested to see how much that does or does not change in the rankings come monday because so many ranked teams lost so how many are going to fall out of the polls altogether and then how many are going to get shuffled within but you're still going to have so many teams that will wind up with a better record against the top 25 30 40 teams in the sport particularly uh on the road and in road neutral records against elite teams kentucky is one in three against the four best teams it's played this year louisville ucla unc and kansas and even more damning is that two of the losses have come on kentucky's home floor so to me one more loss completely eliminates them from the conversation to get a one seed they're not afforded a lot of chances here because their league is so weak so, yeah, this this was a game that has those kind of implicate, uh, you know, not you know, 
I, I feel this so Kentucky can still win a national title with their roster, right? And getting a one seed does not preclude them from doing so. But the statistics show that you're most likely to get to a Final Four when you're a one seed because usually that's the easiest path and you're also a better team the higher line that you are, are on, obviously. So, man, it was a little jarring to see Kentucky lose. I was big on Kansas losing by double digits. Hey, I'm owning it, man. I did not think it would be close. They didn't have Carlton Bragg. Kansas was more effective. I I couldn't believe at certain times just kind of watching them. And I know they went to the zone and that kind of messed up Kentucky's flow. But, like, really, Kentucky had no business losing the way that it did. And I don't think Kentucky's season's on the brink or anything like that. And it probably says more about Kansas. I'm just I'm surprised when we were to take a step back to look and evaluate what Kentucky's done and what it hasn't done this season and what it couldn't do against Kansas – I did not think they'd lose again. They lost to UCLA. That was a good game by UCLA. I didn't think they'd lose at Rupp again this season, and it happened. So uh, so now it's just a matter of Calipari getting the team right, not necessarily worrying about what seed you're going to get. But, yeah, they have no room. One more loss, and uh, one seed is totally off the board. Here's a weird-sounding sentence that I think might actually be true. Kentucky has a better chance of winning a national championship than it does of being a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yep. I think that's sure. pr- I think that's probably true. Um, just because of the, of the resume. Were you surprised Kansas went zone? Yeah, I was. Now, when I was watching and they and they, and they they went zone, I wasn't thinking that, in fact, Frischilla tweeted that they hadn't gone zone since the Georgia game. I didn't realize that they were, like, listen, Self usually has the players and, and the defense to kind of stick mostly to man, and occasionally he'll, like, junk up a zone and stuff like that. But I did check Synergy afterward, and they had only played like 59 possessions of zone this season, and I didn't realize it was <laughs> that's less than five percent of their of their entire possessions that they played on defense. So um, a little surprised, obviously, because when you've got listen, Fox can't shoot from three, but Monk, who again like Monk can be so thrilling, and he had some great some great moments in the first half, but he is streaky. It's undeniable. It's just undeniable, and for them to have gone to the zone when Monk has the potential to be a zone buster and kill you, that didn't happen, and Briscoe's you know, improved from deep, and Willis can obviously shoot as a stretch four type. Um, you know, Self basically, he said, if we didn't do that, we weren't going to win the game. It's probably a lot to that. Um, and even and by the way, the thing is, like, it was almost situational the way that Kentucky was able to not find success because they weren't brutal against the zone. It just it screwed up their flow. They were able to get some second chance opportunities, but Bam was neutralized to a large degree as well. So it was just enough, and they got really good consistent play out of Josh Jackson, who down the stretch made one or two you know dumb plays overall. But Mason got into the lane whenever he wanted. Devontae was pretty effective at kind of driving it into the paint. I thought that was as responsible for the victory as going zone, but self himself. Bill himself said that if we hadn't have done that, then we probably wouldn't have won. Here, here's a story for you, and I, I don't think he'd mind me uh, saying this, and I'm not trying to name drop or anything, but it's just a, a, a true story about how surprised I was that they actually went to zone because he hates playing zone. Um, not only does he not do it often, he, do, he doesn't like doing it. So I texted him yesterday afternoon about something unrelated to the game. And you know, after answering my question, he he replied, like, are you here in Lexington? Like, are you going to be at the game? And I said, nah, you know, I just, you know, I just got back from New York. Uh, I've got to go back to New York. I, I'm trying to spend some time with the family this weekend. So I just stayed home. I said, but I'll be watching on TV. It'll be, it, it should be fun. And he said, yeah, it'll be fun. But uh, he said, we're so thin up front. And I was just like, yeah, you know, losing, um, 
you know, Azabuki was, you know, and then and then brag like that's that's tough for anybody to overcome. But like, you know, you'll figure it out. And his response response was, uh, "Play freaking zone." And yeah. I and I like replied, "Ha ha ha," uh, you know, like well, something's like whatever. I didn't even think he was serious. Like, but he like he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to play freaking zone." And I didn't even think he was serious. Then I'm watching the game, and it's like, and now Kansas is in a zone. I'm like, "Whoa, wow!" He was like, uh, he was actually being honest. I thought he was joking. Play zone. Uh, he wasn't yeah. joking at all. Like that was actually the, the game plan, and it worked. And um, I've always wondered why m- more teams don't do that. Why don't like why are some coaches so hell bent against playing zone? Like uh, you know, Baylor commits to it. Sar- like and I know Syracuse has been bad this year. Uh, you know, this past weekend, uh, notwithstanding. But like typically, the the programs that can recruit high level players and they play zone like. Uh, uh, you know, consistently, Syracuse and Baylor are the two that come to mind. They seem to also be two of the most consistent winners. Have you ever like? Yeah. Have you ever like? Why? Uh, well, do- here's yeah. Um, partially, I think it's because it, to do that, one, uh, I think coaches have some pride when it comes to like. There's listen. There's something to be said about being able to be uh, a zone efficient team run it a lot, have that be you know the primary uh, part of your defensive makeup and still have a, a lot of success. But you got to be able to commit to it. That's the thing. It's like if you can only occasionally trot out a zone and if it's not good, like you'll get eaten alive and then you're, you're immediately bailing out of it. Your question is more like why don't coaches go to zone? It's more like why aren't there more, more coaches right. who That's what I mean. like, primarily what? use zone as right. a defensive scheme? Right, yes. Part of it probably is because three-point shooting has gotten better and better as the years have gone on. And, you know, if you've got one or two guys that can shoot above a 36 37% clip, and not even from, like, the college line, but if they can even want to step out and not have a hand in their face and, and cash it from 23 feet, um, that's going to kill you. That's annoying. Um, otherwise, I don't know. It'd be interesting to ask coaches why, because I do get the sense, and this is a broad sense of someone who's watched college basketball you know, every single season, it's been a significant part of my life for at least 20 years now. I do feel like in the mid to late 90s and into the 2000s, zone was more prevalent than it is now. Because I remember like being really into the NBA as well, a lot into college basketball. And at one point, you could not play zone in the NBA. It was it was not allowed. Um, and I remember thinking like, well, it wouldn't really matter anyway because. Uh, the athletes are too big, too long, too good, whatnot. And I remember thinking like there were so many college teams that would effectively and frequently use it. And that has since died down. I think part of it is the shooting ability overall, the athleticism, and to have guys that are able to play pretty efficient man-to-man is probably something else. Um, but it's a good question. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you definitively. It's it's a good observation. Um, and there are still plenty of you know teams out there that that do zone on occasion, but as a go-to, the list is definitely shorter, and I feel like it's significantly shorter than it was 15 years ago. And here's the thing. That is exactly what people will tell you. is like, you know, you play zone, and you get up against a good three-point shooting team, and you're going to, you know, you're going to die. Except, here's the thing. Historically, uh, annually, teams don't shoot well from beyond the arc against Syracuse. And right now, I think Syracuse's defensive three-point percentage is 32.4 and Baylor's because I just looked it up Baylor's is 
like top 20 in the country. So like teams don't shoot like it, it is it is true that you're going to give up open jumpers, but for whatever reason teams don't usually shoot well against against Syracuse and they're not shooting well against Baylor this year. And um I've never had this conversation with Bayheim, but uh I, I can't remember who it was. I want to say maybe it was Pete Thamel who had this con- cuz maybe I got in like at a, at a blackjack table one night with Pete and we we're having a similar conversation to this. And whoever it was, somebody told me that they were had this conversation with Beheim and they said the first, like when a coach goes to him, Beheim this is Beheim telling the story. You know, so every once in a while somebody will you know come to him and say, "Hey, I want you to teach me what you do, how you teach it, uh, how you implement it, how do you recruit to it?" And Beheim says do you want to be a zone coach or are you thinking about it? Because if you're just thinking about it, you're going to not do it. You you have to be willing to stick to it. When when a team bangs home 14 three-pointers on you in a row and you're down 25, you have to, you know, it's a little bit like hitting 16 against a face card. Like you're going to, like every, you're going to bust, but it's the right, over time, it is the right thing to do. Over time, you're going to be fine. Over time, the, the numbers are going to suggest you're doing this the right way. But if you, you know, if you hit 16 against a face card three times in a row and bust, 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 and you go, never mind, I'm staying from now on, I can't do it, it won't work. And same thing with the zone. If you bail out of it when it's not working, it, it'll never work for you. You have to genuinely commit to it and stay with it. And for whatever reason, uh, the ma- overwhelming majority of college coaches just aren't willing to do that. But, I, I, yeah, but I, I've always wondered, like, and maybe, maybe I should say, you know, Maybe I, this is a nice column idea. You know, maybe I could actually do the. the well, yeah, I'm thinking like yeah, it's it's not bad. I was actually talking recently because I did a story on Notre Dame. I was talking with Bray uh, about that. He has gone. He he brought it up. I mean, he's gone. He calls it the 23. But yeah, he goes. He's gone. To, he's been more willing to adapt to that in recent years. Uh, Beeline does one three one pretty uh, efficiently and effectively. Um, and Beeline's actually more known for his offense, but his team's zones have been pretty well established over the years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, ult- ultimately, I think the rep- the reputation of a zone used to be that it it was more of like I don't have the athletes. This isn't a f- if we really commit to it, it's a way of um, teaching a defense with less effort or work because uh, once you get it you get it and and you don't have to spend an entire season kind of kind of deal I don't know I'm, I'm not as in on that I do think with some coaches it's probably just purely like you know a pride thing like I, I don't want to go to a zone if I don't have to um, and if we are committing to a zone and teams are overmatching us and we don't have the ability or the confidence to suddenly go man to man then we're just totally screwed. So it's it's definitely uh, it's an intriguing aspect. And uh, to be honest, it's a lot of this is why I like college basketball because I like that there are different coaches with different personalities, different approaches to the game. There are so many different ways coaches and teams play on both sides of the ball. So it's always cool. And this is what helps make the tournament really flavorful is that you get different styles that will inevitably smack up against each other. And then, by the way, when you get two teams that can run and want to play at 77 possessions a game, hey, that's awesome too. So um, the NBA game is, is a superior product. There's no doubt about it. But I don't – It's the X's and O's at the NBA level is more intricate. It's much harder to pick up for a layman that's watching. And whereas college basketball, I feel like 
it's it's like watching a really good boxing match, which obviously Styles makes fights. And if you're watching, you can really tell the difference, even if you barely have ever watched boxing. If you you can really tell if two guys have two very different styles. It's the same thing in college when two teams play so drastically different. Uh, it's evident right away. If if Virginia was to play UCLA in the tournament, that would be incredible. And and that's the kind of stuff that I uh, that I love about the game. I'm uh, going to talk about Duke's uh, big win at Wake Forest in just a second. But first, let me tell you about SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been confusing for a long time. You don't know where to go. You don't know what site's best. You don't know if you're getting ripped off. You don't have to worry about that anymore because SeatGeek came along. It's different. It's an amazing app and website that uh, makes it easier than ever for fans, for us, to buy and sell uh, tickets. Because here's the deal. They're going to handle price comparison for you. So when you go to SeatGeek, uh, they are searching multiple uh, ticket sites for you. That way you don't have to do it. They'll do that work for you so you're insured to get the best possible deal. So if you haven't downloaded the app yet, and I, if you haven't downloaded the app yet, I don't know why you haven't downloaded the app yet. Like, seriously, go download the app. Come on, people. Yeah, seriously. We've been talking about this for like six weeks. Now. We've been talking about this for like six weeks now. Get on it for crying out loud. Go get the SeatGeek app. And when you purchase tickets, t- tickets to anything, college basketball game, uh, NBA game, concert, whatever, uh, use the promo code COLLEGEBB. It's COLLEGEBB. And then SeatGeek's going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. You're going to get a rebate, $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So uh, go download the app and then use the app or the website. Purchase tickets. Use the promo code COLLEGEBB and you're going to get $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's the deal. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. So on Saturday afternoon, Duke was at Wake Forest. And uh, though Wake Forest's record isn't very good, uh, they are a top 40 Ken Palm team. And Duke was basically at tip-off uh, a slight favorite, like a, a one or two point favorite. It's basically a coin flip game. And they were down most of the game. Down nine with you know a, a little under four minutes to play. Down seven with I want to say like 110 seconds to play and end up winning on a Luke Kennard three-pointer out of a timeout. I believe the final score was 85-83. Kennard had 34-30, came in the first half. and I mean, second half. And, you know, it was a big win, if only because, and I say this all the time, but it's true, the only alternative to a, a win in basketball is a loss. And so it would have been a rough loss for Duke, all things considered. Everything it's been going through, uh, coming off of that uh, demoralizing and embarrassing uh, defeat at home to NC State, to then go out and lose again to another unranked team uh, would have been really bad news. It might have cost Duke a place in the top 25. So uh, avoiding that is huge. So yes, it was a big win at Wake Forest. And you wrote uh, a nice column about Luke Kennard basically saying, all right, you know, in the preseason, we all thought Grayson Allen was going to be the best player. And if he wasn't, then maybe it'd be Harry Giles or Jason Tatum because they are uh, elite level, you know, future, uh, at least they were, uh, future, you know, top five picks could go one and two in the draft. And that's fine. And that was all reasonable to, to think that. And I'm, these are my words, not yours. Um, it was all reasonable to, 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 to think those things. Um, but now it's late January and it's pretty clear. The best player on the team is Luke Kennard. And Duke's better when Luke when Luke Kennard's great. Uh, Duke is at its best, and I couldn't uh, agree more. Like at, at some point, it doesn't matter what we thought in the off season, what we thought in the preseason, what we thought in November, December. Like it's time to 
you know, as you put it, turn this thing over to Luke Kennard. And um, I, I think a good moment that, that suggests that Jeff Capel is in agreement is that, you know, he had an option at the end of there, uh, that game to, to design a play for anybody. Uh, it could have been for Tatum, could have been for Allen. It was for Luke Kennard, and it worked. Um, I mean, I, I think he vaults himself back into a top 10 place in the National Player of the Year conversation with that performance. And it, it really could be, uh, and I don't want to overstate what happened, but it could theoretically be a turning point in Duke's season. Now, their next game is a tough game. they got to go to Notre Dame. But still, uh, nice win uh, for the Blue Devils and big-time performance from Kennard, right? Yeah, I'm going to save your Twitter mentions uh, some grief. Tatum had fouled out at that point, but you're you're correct. Right, it, could have, it could have been it could have been for Allen. It really, there were there were a number of ways they could have gone at that point, but it was cool. And I added in the, in the column that uh, when they were in timeout, uh, Capel was just they didn't even make eye contact. Capel was just walking by Kennard, and someone caught it on Twitter and put it out, and he says, "Go win the game." And listen. <laughs> it was he got way free he was wide open for the look my point was if it had to be this if it had to take Luke Kennard going for 34 scoring 30 in the second half hitting eight threes not missing a shot in the second half playing all 20 minutes and Grayson hit a big three um what the possession prior two possessions prior off a of Kennard assist right Kennard accounted for 40 of Duke's points in the second half if it was, if it had to be this, then this is what it had to be. Because I feel like the team has known for a while now that Luke has been the best player, the most valuable player, and for certain, it's not easy. This is something we've talked about so many times with Calipari: the fact that he can get these guys that are all the guys on their high school teams, and for a large part of their AU teams, they are the guy. And AU teams can be stacked, and even then, they are the guy. It's not an easy thing, but Calipari from the get-go, just he tells them. He basically says, look how many dudes I put in the NBA. Check their college stats. You need to get over that right now. That hasn't been necessarily the same thing that's happened at Duke. Now, there have certainly been guys. I mean, Kyrie barely was on the floor when he was at Duke, and he went on uh, to be a top pick and has done tremendously at the NBA level. But Tatum is a guy who needs to get his shots. Uh, Giles, I don't find to be a selfish player whatsoever. Uh, Grayson was, you know, the leading guy. We talked about him on recent podcasts in terms of his production and whatnot. But it has been clear, they know it, that Kennard has turned into this team's best player. And I think hopefully they're finally accepting that. The body language looked pretty good when he hit the shot with like seven seconds to go. That eventually won the game. And it wasn't a buzzer beater, so there was the chance that they could still lose. Uh, But he did it. And that's the most important thing. It's not Grayson Allen's. I mean, even again, like it was real quick. It wasn't his fault. Allen actually handled himself well. There was he got quick. thrown onto the bench. He did. I know. He was. He. he like the idea. Like. He, like they. Like. Is it okay to just throw? Like if Grayson. Think about if the roles. If Grayson Allen would have done uh, that to another player. Let's not even go there, <laughs> Parish. But I know. I know. So, um, but it's not that. It's not Shashevsky's health. Shashevsky couldn't have drawn up a better play. I mean, Capel did what he needed to do there, but just knowing that it has to be Kennard's team, and this doesn't mean that Kennard needs to go for 30-plus every game. That's not what's going to happen, not what should happen. But for Duke to have a chance, man, it's got to be that. And, yeah, this is this team's not out of the woods. I mean, this was a skin-of-their-teeth win against a Wake Forest team that's decent in the metrics, but I don't think will be in the tournament, um, and just kind of kept their pulse going. But uh, but good on Kennard, man. He's the performance to me keeps him 
even though Duke's struggling, I would still have. I mean, that was such an impressive performance. I'd still have him top six or seven player of the year candidate right now. Yeah, I don't mind that. I mean, I, I end up looking at that every Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning and, and then updating it at CBSSports.com. Um, I don't think I had Kennard in the top 10 this past week um, because I'm, I'm, I lean heavily on, I mean, basically what I look for are teams with, if you want to be a player of the year candidate, as far as I'm concerned, you need to be a great player on a, on a good team. And if, if your team happens to be great, that helps you. I don't think it's coincidence that most people consider Frank Mason and Josh Hart to be the leading candidates for National Player of the Year. Those two teams have been in the top five basically all year long, if not all year long. So, um, you know, as Duke starts to slip, Kennard starts to slip as well. But, you know, I think yeah. I think Duke is still going to be in the top 20 tomorrow. Uh, he's coming off a massive performance, top six. Uh, I, without looking at it, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, strongly – uh, object and thank you for saving me on the uh, Jason Tatum thing. I, I could not wake up tomorrow. He didn't have a good game. Yeah, no. He listen. He and that's and we can move on after this. But that's also wasn't. It was interesting to see those two things slide up against each other. Could have been Tatum's worst game of his college career, to be honest. Um, and and yet Kennard just able to totally just put the team on his back. Um, so we'll see. Like Tatum's a guy that needs to get his shots, and I don't say that in terms of like. He's filled with ego, and he better have the ball like Carmelo's situation. I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm just saying that's who he is. Like right. He's got a really smooth J. He's a really efficient scorer. I think he's a guy that's going to basically – he'll average 12 points in his sleep at the pro level, and I would be shocked if he doesn't have multiple seasons north of 20 points as a pro. Uh, but right now, it's, it's a matter of knowing that Kennard needs to get touches early and often, and Kennard needs to be getting at least 20 shots a game. Um, yeah, because I can't wake up tomorrow. People ask saying, hey, Parrish, don't you know Tatum was fouled out? I get enough questions <laughs> about the top 25 and one every morning that are just rooted in people who – you would think if you followed me on Twitter, you would know at this point that the rankings update every single day. And and there is literally a not a day that passed where somebody doesn't seem to understand that the rankings upset every single day. Like Duke, uh, because they won at Wake Forest yesterday, and – you know, basically everybody else lost. They end up moving up two spots in the top 25 and one. And I, I, I must have got like five messages in a row. So Duke loses to NC State, moves up two spots. You gotta just, you gotta step away from the ats. You gotta step away from Dude. your ats for a little while. Your, your life's gonna be better for it. I'm telling you. Dude, I just, I was sitting here. Okay, so I was like trying to clean up around the house because uh, we were hosting a baby, a couple's baby shower, some, so uh, for some friends here. So I was trying to help Kelly clean up a little bit. And I posted the top 25 and one, and immediately, like I've got the stress of having the help clean up, which is just stressful in general. And then I've got the stress of like, <laughs> our country is detaining people at airports. So that's got me on edge. And then I got people asking me how Duke moved up two spots in the top 25 and one after losing to NC State last Those Monday. Very different points. <laughs> yeah, but they all like were piling up on me. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out like how to – I don't want to be the guy because like Bomani, and I love him to death. He's a friend. He's a genius. I love him. But he like spends – like it I seems – I don't know how he does it, man. He, I don't know how he does it. All he does is argue with dumb people all day long and, and try to explain to them why they're dumb all day long. And I don't want to be that guy, A, because I just can't. Like, I don't have that. Like, Bomani is single with zero kids. <laughs> I'm married with three. So, like, perhaps if I were single with zero kids, I could do it. I don't have the energy for it. But I wonder if, tell me if this is reasonable. If I de- dedicated 30 minutes a week 
And I just said, hey, for the next 30 minutes, I am going, I, I, and I would just favorite the dumbest things people tweet at me all week long. And then I say, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to explain to you why these people are idiots. Boom, boom. And then we're going to be done with it. Then we'll do it again next week for 30 minutes. And that way I get to explain to the dummies why they're dumb, but I, I'm not consumed with it every single day. But I know when people are being dumb, I don't have to debate, should I, should I respond to this one or not? Because I know I've got my 30 minutes coming up whenever it's coming up, and I'll, and I'll take care of it then. Hey, man, you can live the life that you want to live. It's just not worth it. It's not. It's not worth it. No, you're right. I get so so mad because if you didn't follow me, you might not realize that the top 25 and one updates every day. Like, that's a reasonable thing. Like, if I just stumbled upon some NHL rankings from some guy I've never heard of. I, I like. I wouldn't know what it. You're gonna what... go in. I'd love to see you go all in on some editor. <laughs> but like, if you because I click on these people and it says like follows you, like they follow me on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, it, it, isn't it impossible at this point? I've been ranking teams every day for like four years. How could you not know that the rankings update every day? Seriously, answer that question, Orlander. I I, I can't. <laughs> I I can't even remotely do it. Um, you just gotta hop out of your ads, man. You no, know, you're right. Just, you're you really right. do. I'm telling you, like you'll be amazed how much more productive you can be if you just hop out of the ads. Just clo- don't even don't even click. I know it's it's built to be tempting. That Twitter function with the mentions and notifications column with the little blue dot. It's it's meant to just to feed you. You know. Oh, I gotta see what's new. Just Sometimes I go days without looking, man. It 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 just it, you can. You go days without you. looking. Yes. I can't go. Like, min- like I can't. For example, like okay, so on Saturdays if I'm talking a lot, like yeah, people will talk, but like I haven't really checked most of today. We'll probably won't check tomorrow or Tuesday. No, usually usually don't. What I what you can do is you can just have it set to verified accounts. So if people actually have the blue check, that's how you do it. Then, I, then I, it then it then it really gets slow and it's it's much you know much more efficient. See, I no. You're, first, let me say this: you're exactly right. I I don't know that I could do that. I look at everything. I see that, like I've never not seen a notification. See, this is we're, we're I've never we're not seen getting, it. How about this? We're there getting are t- into the id. There are we're, we're diving into the, the Gary Parish super ego here. How about this? I know you're exactly right. It's all rooted in like bad stuff. Um, how about this? There are times when I'm writing where I'll close Twitter gotta dude you have to i'll close it because i'm like i'm just distracted i just need to focus on what i'm doing and then like i can't even help it i just click it even if it's not open i click the icon to open it i don't even know why i'm doing it it just it's just automatic it's like it's like people who have a nervous twitch it's like i automatically open twitter it's like i don't even know that i'm doing it it's just i look i close it i actively close it and then it won't even be 10 minutes later and I'll look up and I've just, I'll click it. I go, why did I do that? Because anytime I notice that it's closed, my instincts are to open it. It's insane. Listen, and we'll get back on this. And like, how about this? So this is like, this is, this is the mindset and the people that develop apps on your phone. And, and I, listen, this is just, I'm, I'm happy that I don't have this. Like these apps are built with push notifications and the way that they're designed to just be for you to be checking them every two minutes to see what the update is. And I would not use Twitter if I did not need it as a means of a news service. That's basically like I I'm interested in the writers that I know and my friends in the business and people I don't know who I respect. I'm interested in their work. 
and sometimes they share really interesting articles. That's basically why I use Twitter and then, you know, tweet out my own stupid crap all the time. But, uh, but yeah, these apps are built to do this. It's so funny. Kyle Brandt, um, who hosts Good Morning Football uh, on the NFL Network, someone, he retweeted the tweet into my timeline. This was like two and a half, three weeks ago. And it, it was just like it was just like an offshoot of a thought. And it was so perfect. And the tweet was basically um, getting through an entire show without checking your phone now counts as reading a book. And it's so sad, but that really is true. Like you can't even know. Remember when you were like 20 years old, GP, 25 years old, and you'd watch a TV show, an hour long TV show or a half hour TV show. You'd just watch the TV show, get up at the commercial, maybe get a drink, get some food, go to the bathroom, go back and watch the TV show. GP, I know you that you like to binge watch stuff. When was the last time that you watched a television show and did not check your phone. Dude, I'll take it a step further. I can't go to a movie. Like that's without dude, that's see that's bad. Yeah. No, that's no, no, bad. I mean I will no, let me rephrase. I I do go to movies, but I check my phone every 20 yeah. minutes. Like at least every 20 minutes. I'll just look at something. It's like I feel like like I am genuinely like it's not I don't even there's no reason to check the phone, but it's it's just a habit. It's like, you know, people who smoke and grab a cigarette and you go why are you grabbing another cigarette i don't know it's just what i did i can't like i just i don't even know what i'm can we try this at the final four can can we go out and not and have you not bring your phone and have you be out for like seven hours well that's a bad time well that's a bad time of year because like you got coaching changes happening and (laughs) the question would be could i in may on a day if you could you take my phone from me for 12 hours without me having a breakdown of some sort. It'd be like, it's really like, it is addictive. I'm a, I'm totally addicted to the phone. I carry it with me wherever I am upstairs, downstairs. If I, if I go to take a shower, it sits. Yeah. Let people in on this. So I, I, you know, for, I don't know. I just, I make sure that I don't get that connected to it. So earlier today I was playing with my kid, making dinner, whatever GP texts me. And I don't know, it was like at like 5.15 or something. He says, hey, you want to record the podcast and so-and-so at 6 o'clock or whatever. Text me again at like 6.10 with question marks. And I, so I was, I was not near my phone for about 90 minutes. And it felt, it, felt normal. <laughs> it felt normal. And there's just no way you could ever – like it was almost like, dude, how have you not responded? How have you not seen this text message in 40 minutes right now? And – I don't know, like it just, I just, Dude, it's, it's, to underline that because it was like, how has he not seen this yet? Because like I would never not see this by now. Um, I had went through today because I had to update my iPhone. Like you know, we got an update at some point, and you had to have so many like, I don't know, free space to update it, and I didn't have enough free space. So I went in and started deleting text messages to free up space so that my phone would actually update. So I deleted every text message between you and I. So when I text you, it was the first text message I'd sent you. Like it, it was the first one to show up because it was all fresh now. And I started thinking, honestly, like, does he, did, did I text the wrong number? Like maybe it was the wrong number. Like because it must be the wrong number because why, why would he have not seen this by now? And the answer, of course, is because you're a normal human being who is like spending time with your child without your phone yeah, in your hand. No, like maybe, GP, maybe some of this that, but this is also like – well, we're really going down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> this is something that, you know, parents deal with their kids. And then if you want to get back in the college hoops angle of it, like coaches, like they they know that 
these 17 year olds that they're recruiting are attached to their phones. And when they get on campus, it's another deal. And it's just a total generational gap because uh, very few coaches are, you know, you just turned 40. Happy birthday. We didn't address that on last week's podcast. Ah, but GP is now 40, that's by true. the way. It is true. Um, there are very few coaches. There are, there are a handful, but uh, most coaches are in college hoops are, are north of 40. And so they didn't grow up um, with anything remotely like this. You, you'll, you hear this, especially when we're on the recruiting trail in the summer. Um, just getting the kids away from the phone, even for a little bit to keep their attention. It's become a... It's become a real thing, man. And uh, I'd love to help you kick the habit, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't don't know what, like, it's, and like, if you think I'm bad and I am, it's even worse for like kids growing up with this. Like, you know, this stuff didn't exist when I was a child, even when I was a young adult, but it has, there are, there are kids now, like my son, my oldest son has never not known a world where this stuff existed. And, you know, he walks around with his phone in his hand all the time. You know, when I walk in his room, if he has friends over, like when like when you and I, and I, I, we might have talked about this before, but when you and I were young, if our friends came over, like we all played, like if we were going to play Nintendo, we played the Those game. Those freaking days, man. Oh my gosh. That was the best. But like Madden tournaments into four, four in the morning. Dude. Oh, that was, that was dude, the absolute We played best. Madden tournaments all night. Like just, yes. We'd all play, like each, that, we'd, t- we'd watch each other. Then we'd, like, so if you had like three people over, two people would play. And then the third person would watch, and then that person would join, and that's what you did. If you wanted to play with your friends, they had to come to your house, and then you'd all play together. When I walk in my son's room, like he had a buddy over here last night, right? And uh, they're both eighth graders. I walked in their room, and they both had their iPhones out, and they both had headphones on. They weren't even talking to each other. <laughs> totally doing their own thing. And, and like, but, Depressing as hell. No, but it's, that's normal. I know it's normal. Yeah. Still. How about this? So like Mike Norvell, who's the head football coach at the University of Memphis, going into his second year now, because of all this, because he was like, this is crazy. Because what you find out, and we are way off track, but like whatever. Um, You can fast forward if you want to. (laughs) We'll talk basketball here in a minute. But, um, you know, what what happens is, I I think we're raising, and, and, and I include myself in this, we're raising an entire generation of children who are going to be like any other people we've ever had on this planet in the sense that they don't communicate normally. Like when I was a child, if you wanted to call, so like my, my oldest son's in eighth grade. When I was in eighth grade, like I had a little girlfriend, or at least you thought she was your girlfriend, you know, whatever. And so if you wanted to talk to her on your phone, you'd have to call her home. It would ring in her house. Her father or mother would answer the phone. You had to say, Hey, Mr. Davis, this is Gary. You know, is so-and-so around? I don't want to say her name because she's, like, probably happily married. But, like, um, you know, is so-and-so around? You'd have to have that conversation. When you got into high school and you started driving, if you were going to go pick somebody up to go to a dinner or a party, you'd have to pull up in the driveway. Go knock on the door. Like, see an adult. Speak to them. Look at them in the eye. Maybe wait five minutes. Kids these days don't do that. any of that. If my son wants to talk to somebody on the phone, first off, they don't even talk. They text. And they don't even like text with words. They just send emojis to each other. If you pull up at somebody's house to go pick up some 16-year-old, you know, like you're a sophomore in high school, she's a sophomore in high school, you text her, hey, I'm here. She walks outside. Like all of these ways that young people used to be forced to communicate, 
they don't have to communicate in that way anymore. And I honestly, like, it's it's bad. I notice, like, my son's great. Like, he's smart and he's funny and he's everything. But, like, I notice it sometimes. Like, uh, like somebody knocked on the door yesterday and he, like, <laughs> like, watching him actually, like, have to have a conversation with a stranger. Like, it's not, he's not used to doing that. That's not the way kids grow up these days. And so the whole thing is just sort of bizarre. So Mike Norvell, who's the head football coach at Memphis, he recognized all of this. And he said, we're not going to have any of it. So he banned his players because that's the other thing. Kids these days, they got headphones on all the time, listening to their own music. You know, what the, 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 the days of like everybody listening to the same stuff, that doesn't really happen anymore with young people. Everybody listens to whatever they're listening to. So like players are not on campus. You do not have headphones on. You talk to people. And in the locker room, no, no headphones, no, no, yeah. you know, no, at the facility. Larry no, Nega did this, by the way. With, right. Same uh, thing. Same. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Um, I knew I'd heard that from somewhere else before too, but Norvell does the same thing at Memphis. And uh, yeah, you wrote about it in the Mason store. Like, yeah, talk to each other, be around each other, look at each other. Because when everybody's off in their own world, like we are raising a generation of people who live in their own worlds. Like my son, I swear to God, if you ask, if you told him, hey, this weekend, man, uh, you had a great report card, whatever you want to do Friday night, you tell me, what do you want to do on Friday night? You know what he'd say? Here, here would be his answer. I would like to order pizza and play online with my friends. Oh, so you want your friends to come over? No, 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 no. I want to play online with my friends. I don't want my friends here. That, that, that would be his wish. And that's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't feel like it's us being too old for this kind of stuff because the fact of the matter is this way of communicating, you know, for humans has not existed until the past few years. It's different from every other generation kind of looking at the generation that came after them and kind of tossing off things that they didn't understand. This is way different. And by the way, we still communicate this way like, you know, but it's it's definitely Dude, you can now. Oh my goodness. Well, I promise. Let's just get back to hoops. But you can now, literally. I was talking with a buddy about this three weeks ago. We went to college. You wanted to get a date. You got you got lucky because you had a cute girl that lived on your floor, or a cute girl that you met in a class, or a cute girl that was in your dorm, or a cute girl that you actually went out to a party and happened to run into. Okay. Now, if you go to college, and you want to have sex. All you need is a freaking app on your phone. God. You can swipe through it for 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. You can literally meet that person that you've never met before in your life within 20 minutes. Do it. Move on with your life. It's it's bonkers to me. And and by the way, I there are, there are people that would say, yeah, man, it's great. Uh, I'd, I'd rather romanticize the pathetic struggle of my college days because it just felt more visceral. It felt more real. No, nah, man, I would just like to be in college and just like get an app and have sex. I know, I know. That's what I would prefer. <laughs> like, like when I was in, I rem- the way I remember college, it was just a lot more difficult than that. Like you had to actually like you know go oh, places. It was. It was you, you seriously you had, to, had to put you, it in the lake. Yeah, you had, yeah, yeah. You had to go places. Like now, you don't really have to go uh, places. It's just it's what I prefer. Anyway, all right. So uh, yeah, so Villanova one of the best. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this will go down as the weirdest podcast, but it's got to be on the list somewhere. 
I'm sure plenty of people actually appreciated the conversation because they can identify with it fully, and uh, it's good to occasionally go off on tangents. But, yeah, I mean, what, what do you want to hit on next? Because Villanova uh, Virginia was an awesome game. What else from Saturday? Yeah, well, okay, so Villanova Virginia was terrific. I had picked uh, Virginia straight up, and it didn't work out, even though they were up double digits in the second half. I, I So I had to go pick up balloons and stuff for this baby shower I was telling you about. Kelly put uh, sent me on an errand run, right? And so I was, and, and I left in the first half of that game. So I'll be like checking on my phone the whole time. And it's like, I swear to God, this is how bananas I am. They're up like 13 points in the second half. And I'm like at Kroger uh, checking out with balloons and seven-layer dip. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be in home in time to, to, get it, to, to get the balloons. I guess that was the most important thing. Get the balloons in here in time. But then also tweet about my amazing back-to-back straight-up predictions. I thought it was over. I thought they had it. And then Villanova did what Villanova does, which is win at the buzzer. Hey, this was a fantastic game. I thought Virginia was going to be able to manage to get out of there comfortably. Jenkins had a few big shots, and he he really didn't have a good game. And Hart struggled, too. And for Villanova to win that kind of game, super impressive, man. Be interested to see, as I mentioned with the polls, where teams fall and where they don't, because Villanova did take a loss against Marquette on the road. I, I thought Gonzaga was a sure thing to be number one. I'm not as confident about that, although I would put them number one. We'll see. For Virginia, man, they are they're hard to figure out because I think they're really good, and this was a game they should have had. They're now 16-4. and four. They lost at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's terrible. They lost at home twice. I think they're good. And Ty Jerome, holy crap. Uh, he had an arrival on Sunday. A freshman that's got range and really no conscience. He came out of nowhere to really have a huge, huge, huge game. Parantis played mostly well. Um, not too concerned with Virginia. If you told me Virginia made the Final Four and this was a year where they got like a three seed, no one even saw it coming, I I, I wouldn't put it past them just because, man, I, I just it's hard not to be impressed with what they continue to do. This was more about Villanova being able to come back, get a huge win, and and hey, credit credit them to being able to do that. It was a home game essentially, but they weren't in their home home arena. They were playing uh, at Wells Fargo, but... That was the Kentucky Kansas was the biggest game of the weekend. Virginia Villanova was number two. Both of them were pretty terrific, fantastic watches, and uh, and it was fun to get those non-conference games as a way of kind of just spicing up the college basketball schedule because conference season's so fun. Um, but to get these you know ranked teams, highly ranked teams, teams that have all had prominent. Uh, games and runs in the NCAA tournaments in recent years, I thought was pretty fantastic. And uh, and Nova Virginia absolutely. Uh, it, it, listen, it was it was the number two game heading into the weekend, and it certainly it was in the end it was it was the most entertaining one we saw. Uh, on on Virginia, you know they lose everything they lost from last season. They lose Austin Nichols early. Uh, they're still sixteen and four. Uh, I think a legitimate top ten team. Um, you know. They, it, four years ago it was 30 wins, then 30 wins, last year 29, and now it's looking like they're going to have a similar season. I think on Tony Bennett I'm just at the point where they're always going to be really good. Like it doesn't even matter who they have. I mean that's that seems like a reasonable opinion, doesn't it? Like I don't even care who's on the roster. It's almost like I used to say about Bo Ryan. Like I don't need to know 
anything about the roster. Is Bo Ryan still coaching the team? Yeah. All right. Then they're going to be good. Like I'm, I'm basically there with, I think I'm past there with Tony Bennett. Like, I don't care. Like next year, I don't, I don't need to know anything about the roster. I, I promise you I'll have Virginia in the top 20 somewhere in the preseason. He's just, he's like developed a program that seems like um, the culture, um, the way he teaches, like, it's just, I don't see them being bad under any circumstances. It's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to see that, especially because like he's made some recruiting wins as well. Right. Kyle Guy was uh, really an elite recruit, um, and for him to choose Virginia, I thought was pretty big. And yeah, I, I think you're right on the money there. Uh, real quick, with so many teams losing, I do want to give some quick love over the you know over the course of the week here. Gonzaga did not, and I understand that his competition wasn't as good. Louisville did not lose over the past seven days. In fact, they looked fantastic. So the Cardinals will take a big jump in the poll because. Uh, they killed Pittsburgh. I don't even know if that program even exists anymore after what they did to them. And then they ran away from North Carolina State coming off that win against Duke. Who else? Baylor? Hey, check out Baylor. 20-1. and one. I've, got got him. We'll I've, got him. I've got them second in the top 25-1. and one. We'll preview their game against Kansas uh, on Wednesday's podcast. They didn't lose this week. And then Arizona had some issues with Washington early. Ended up not having too many uh, problems. They swept the Washington school. So... Very few teams in the top 25 were able to get out without a scar. Those were some of them. Certainly credit to them. Cincinnati certainly uh, is looking really good at this point as well. They're 19-2. and two. They defeated Xavier, and obviously they were able to just handle South Florida. So just only a handful of teams. It was a very interesting week in college basketball. Weekend as well. Yeah. And now going forward, uh, plenty of good games. But Baylor, Kansas is oh, it's massive. the light of the week ahead. Easy. I mean. No, it's going to be great. Like it's and Baylor is terrific, a terrific story because, you know, listen, they got off to an unbelievable start. They got ranked number one in the country, and then they went out and got pounded at West Virginia. At which point, I think people wanted, like, people were waiting for any opportunity to scream. Baylor's not as good as people think, and like, whatever, that's fine. But look up now; they haven't lost since West Virginia, and you can say that. Well, who have they really like? Everybody else is losing. You know, Purdue just lost this afternoon at uh, Nebraska. You know, everybody else is losing. Baylor's 20-1. and one. And so I, I, I'm still picking Kansas to win the Big 12. Uh, but I believe as of today, Ken Palm actually has Baylor winning the Big 12, not Kansas. Let me double-check that. Um, no, it has Kansas and Baylor both finishing 14-4 and four in the Big 12. That's where we're at right now. So it changed after Kansas' win uh, at Kentucky, but Baylor's legit, and uh, the top five of the top twenty-five and one right now, and it'll be this way on Monday morning, is Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, Kansas, and Arizona. That's the top five of the top twenty-five That's and one. Probably right. I would probably go Kansas, then Baylor, but it's so tight. It's, like yeah. it's really it's either it's it's either or, and then that gets settled with the game on Wednesday, regardless. So. Huh. Um, so, so that'll be, uh, yeah, that's a massive game on Wednesday. We will talk about that on Wednesday morning's, uh, podcast. Let's look ahead to a couple of games, um, over the next couple of days, Monday night, Duke at Notre Dame, Notre Dame's going to be, uh, probably a slight favorite. I'd say one, maybe two points Duke at Notre Dame. Does Duke keep it going or is it just, you know, winning on the ACC in the, on the road in the ACC is difficult. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame yeah. found, Notre Dame found that out Saturday, at Georgia Tech, which was another massive win for Josh Pastner. He's now got uh, five really good wins. And 
like uh, like is in position to a win ACC Coach of the Year if they continue at this pace, but also like maybe make the NCAA tournament, which would be incredible. I don't know that either of those things are going to happen, but like the idea that you could reasonably talk about it on January 29th um, suggests that things are going remarkably well uh, in Atlanta for the former Memphis coach. Um, uh, but like, yeah, like you know, Duke was lucky to get out of Wake Forest with a win. Notre Dame took a loss at Georgia Tech. Uh, I tend to think that um, Duke and Notre Dame are comparable teams, but you know, I'd take the home team in either, in, you know, in that matchup, regardless of where the game was played. If it were at Cameron, give me Duke. But at Notre Dame, I think I take Notre Dame, right? I take Notre Dame because they're at home, because they're a better offensive team than Duke right now, and because Mike Bray has had Duke's number over the past three seasons. He's He's above 500 to a huge degree. Um, no hesitation there. Duke wins, then that's serious stuff. That would be a, a, a huge win. I mean, if, if Kennard had another huge game, um, then even more so. But uh, I got Notre Dame. I think it'll be an entertaining game, but Notre Dame by five or six. Yeah, I think Notre Dame wins. Like, um, you know, of course, I won't be surprised by anything because, like, Duke could win, and then we'd say, hey, you know, Duke's got nine McDonald's All-Americans. You know, what did you expect? Uh, but I think right now uh, those are comparable teams, and home court advantage is probably the difference there. Then Tuesday, we get West Virginia at Iowa State. When it looks like West Virginia is going to be about a, you know, a, a three, a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. What do you make there? Oh, it's a big spot for Iowa State, GP. Um, they could really use this kind of win prediction-wise. This is tough. Iowa State couldn't get a win on the road at Vandy. Uh, by the way, if you're checking, I picked that Steve right up <laughs> on the site. <laughs> they asked for some underdog bets. I actually gave you Miami straight up, and I gave you Vandy straight up. Both of those were home dogs, and both came through in a big way. Iowa State could really use this one, man. Um, the resume is just okay at this point. Losing at home to West Virginia would put them in a precarious position because then they've got to go at Kansas, and then you got the slippery game at Texas after that. I'm going to trust some Hilton magic. I'm going to trust Monty Morris can be composed against West Virginia's press. Morris has the best by far. It's not even close assist-to-turnover ratio in college basketball. And like it's not even fluky. He's been that every year. It's insane. It's insane. In terms of it's 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 why I think you should get a serious look uh, at the NBA. Um, give me the Cyclones here, uh, man. Uh, let's say, let's say ISU seventy four to seventy two. I think it'll be uh, really close. I'm taking Iowa State too, as underdogs. But you can give them to me. Straight you think they'll be underdogs? <laughs> Straight up. Straight up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you that, think they're going to be underdogs? Ken Palm has them as a three. Uh, they might Ken, be, actually, yeah. Ken Palm, has, Ken Palm has them as a three-point underdog. Do they? Okay, well, there's no – yeah, I mean, there's no shot then. If it's three, yeah, yeah they'll be – Ken Palm projects a West Virginia win 78-75. So, that, so West Virginia is going to be favored in the game. The most drastic I would picture that going is West Virginia by one then because it almost never floats more than two right. points from the projections from Ken Palmer. So then Iowa, sta- so Iowa State's going to be an underdog. So you know what we're doing, right? Steve, <laughs> right up. We're taking Iowa State straight up. I feel good about it. Do you feel good about it? You know what I feel good about? Hmm. The fact that I beat you to a shout-out to Devin Downey. Yeah, he's gone almost <laughs> an hour. 
almost an hour. Man, man. Pluck Get, that one from me. Poor Kentucky. Seven years ago, they had to deal with Devin Downey. Last night, they had to deal with Frank Mason. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living like that? Shout out to the Kentucky fans who didn't exactly love. Oh, by the by the way, by the way, let's let's address that for a second because we are starting to get from Kentucky fans like yo yo you you're so anti. Nothing to do with Kentucky. Literally nothing to do with Kentucky. Literally the well, let me rephrase. To the extent that it has something to do with Kentucky, the the invent the 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 root of Devin Downey shoutouts was we we were talking about Kentucky. I don't even remember exactly, but we were talking about Kentucky and that John Wall team. And how they didn't take their first loss until deep into the season and happened to be to South Carolina and Devin Downey. And then it was like, shout out to Devin Downey. And then the next week, for some reason, I shouted out Devin Downey. And then I just decided to shout out Devin Downey every week. But I, hand to heart, I'm not above like um, trolling uh, fan bases. Uh, I, I'll do it if, if you want. But that I, hand to heart on my children's lives, that's not what this is about. It's got nothing to do with Kentucky except for Kentucky as a character in the play. Um so when we shout out Devin Downey, it's not to like bring up a. It's not like we're shouting out Christian Leitner. <laughs> you know, it's, we're not trying to rub it in Kentucky's face. It's it's. This is all about Devin Downey. This has got nothing to do with Kentucky. But but we are getting it from like Kentucky fans every week. Like yo, you you trying to rub it in? To, no, we don't. Like if I can't imagine, there's a Kentucky fan out there having nightmares about Devin Downey. Like life's been pretty good for you guys since Devin Downey. Without a doubt. But on that night, but on that night, that was Devin Downey's night. Hey man, nothing, nothing but respect to Double D. January twenty sixth, two thousand ten. I'm gonna get it. I'm, I'm gonna get that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> no, I can't believe I got all these kids and I didn't name any of them Devin Downey. Like what? A, I almost named one of my kids Oliver Purnell Parish. I know. I, I know. Screwed that up, and then I had an opportunity to name the latest one Devin Downey Parish, and wasted that. Should have ha- happened without a doubt. It's just a mistake. It's a mistake I'll live with forever. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes if you want to. I mean, I'm not sure that you'd want to, but if you want to, you can do it there. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up.